0: Okay, hello and welcome everybody to another edition of our personal trainer's guide to wealth creation success series, webinars, podcasts and information based products to help you with your fitness business. Very happy and very pleased today to be joined by one of our Create PT Wealth Master Coaches, someone who's been incredibly successful in their particular space in the fitness world. So I'd like to first of all, first of all, welcome Ben Delhunte. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Brian.
1: <laughs> Thanks
0: mate. <laughs> um, mate, I'm very excited to have you on board today. Um, as discussed, one of our Create PT Wealth Master Coaches, someone who you know, in my eyes has really excelled in their space in the fitness industry, moving from exercise, you know, exercise physiologist or, you know, qualified professional into running outdoor boot camps into now running very successful personal training studio and also very successful corporate health business. And um, for those of you, who, for your knowledge, Ben actually headhunted us. He'd been watching Create PT Wealth from the outside looking in, and he um, had you know a number of things happening, and he just went, "Look, I'd like to be a part of that." So he hunted us out, and the relationship has been absolutely fantastic. Ben is now not only you know a master coach at Create PT Wealth, but also educating people on how to actually set up their studio from the, from actual ground zero. So those of you who are listening to this, that's the exact topic and the content of what we'll be discussing today is actually the nuts and bolts on what it takes to, to create a studio and, um, you know, really some of the important things that you need to cover when you are about to launch into this. So without further ado, we're going to get into it. Ben, mate, first question that I've got for you um, is if you can just enlighten the gang on, on your background, you know, what got you into the industry, um, how did you end up with your studio and so forth? Yeah, thanks, bro.
1: Um, look, guys, I started my studio in 2004, so a good 10 years ago now. Uh, but as Brad said before, you know, I um, I studied exercise science at uni and worked in a couple of gyms on the on the gym floor throughout that period of three years, uh, just to get a bit of uh, I guess an understanding of how the fitness industry works, and uh, that was a big eye opener, uh, and it taught me a lot of the things that I guess I wanted to uh, to evolve in the industry and change a few things going on there. So I started my studio in 2004 um, and did, did it the hard way, really, um, because there were no you know, business coaches out there uh, 10 years ago in the fitness industry and no one to really lean on uh, for advice. So I did it the hard way. Um, so what I've done in 10 years, you guys can probably knock over in two or three.
0: So it's just about me today showing you guys how to do that. Mm, mate, 10 years, great achievement, hey? You must, um, must be celebrating the 10-year anniversary, hey?
1: Yeah, we did, mate. We had a good party this year, rocked on in uh, June and July, had a um, big family fun day at our studio, and we're fortunate enough to be um, involved heavily in the community. So we had a lot of people there to help us celebrate.
0: That's brilliant, mate. That's excellent. So you mentioned in the early days you did it the hard way. Like, could you give us some examples of what what that meant for you? You know, now looking back on it.
1: Oh yeah, look, uh, mate. I, you know, I like to reflect on these things because you know it really does just show you how far you've come and. Um, what we, what I did, I started out on my own uh, with my own money, and um, you know, no investors, uh, had no capital, um, so I had to, you know, really work hard from the get-go in order to just cover cover rent and those sorts of things. Um, I was working 15-hour days, six days a week, uh, by myself, and um, you know, I was sleeping in the studio as well for the first six months. Oh, hey, so, <laughs> so you, you you'd camped out there, hey? I did, I did indeed, and uh, not I had a not real happy fiance. She was, um, you know, we were getting married uh, that same year, so I was
0: just uh, yeah, doing it tough. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! So, when you said you didn't have, um, you had no investors or anything, did you actually have some some funds saved to to launch on the studio?
1: Yeah, look. So what I had to do, um, you know, I probably had about ten grand worth of my own savings, and that yeah. was it. Um, the rest, uh, I. You know, I borrowed from the bank because no um, you know, no uh, company out there would lease uh, allow me to lease equipment. Wouldn't leave me any money, so I had to borrow. You know, I think about twenty grand from the bank. Yep. And um,
0: um yeah, borrow it that way, but ten grand of my own savings went into it too. Yeah. So you had about twenty grand in your loan from the bank plus about ten grand of your own that you'd be farmed away. So about thirty grand you were able to launch.
1: Yeah, thirty grand. I was- over the launch um, and then just slowly pay back the bank um, as I went just had to really drive those,
0: uh, those memberships pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. Okay, cool. So I guess it gives us some insight. So like you said, the first part, you, you slugged it out. You're doing the 15-hour days, six days a week. It was just you there, was it?
1: Yeah, for the first six months it was me. Um,
0: I brought on my first uh, employee after six months. Mm. And like you said, reflecting back now, looking at you, you you know, obviously you've you've advised and coached enough people now to to realise that hey, there can be an easier way, or you know, maybe a different way to do it. That doesn't mean you're putting in the 15-hour days, sleeping at the studio, or all the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah, certainly, mate. I mean, you know, with my
1: coaching clients, I I never want to see them go through what I went through, uh, (laughs) or anyone else out
0: there in the fitness industry. I guess it's also a reflection, but, you know, it's back to that thing, what are you prepared to do to make it happen if you have to? And it sounds like, you know, your fiancé um, must have been very understanding <laughs> um, at the time. And so, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's back to that thing. Sometimes there, there are some of those sacrifices that may need to be made. You know, what are you prepared to, to do in the short term to, to have it all in the long term?
1: Yeah, very true.
0: So mate, tell us a bit about the studio, then give us some give us some metrics and uh, and stats about it. Because I know you've had some pretty impressive things, like some amazing retention rates and things like that.
1: Yeah, Braden, we've um, you know, we've just built a very solid community around us, and that was the goal uh, with the studio when I first started. I wanted to um be really ingrained with the um the community around us. Uh, and even though I didn't have a family at the time, I just wanted to build it so that you know it was a part of my family too and grow there. Um, we do, sorry, we've got eight trainers uh, that work at the studio. Uh, we do about 200 PT sessions a week and have um, uh, probably around about, I think it was the last count, we do 22 classes a week as well on top of that. Yep. And, uh, mate, you know, we're doing, you know, revenue-wise probably 50
0: uh, to 60,000 a month. Yep. So. Excellent, mate. That's fantastic. So a great team. And I guess it also goes to show that, um, you, you know, that's the, the lesson that I've seen in business too. You don't have to be the biggest um, facility, um, you know, eight trainers, a very decent team, you know, but at the end of the day you want to have quality and uh, I guess that's the thing that I, oh, I've certainly seen from the outside looking in at your business. That's what you've built. you built a business that's built around that quality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned, sorry, mate, you did mention retention. Um, you know, we have a 94% retention rate with our clients year to year. So, Wow. You know, I think um, industry standard at the moment with, uh, with gyms is about 60 to 64, somewhere around there. So yeah. we're very proud of that. We're very proud of our attention and even staff retention. You know, we've got staff who've been with me uh, for eight years, nine years. Um, you know, they stick around because they enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant, and also back to that thing in terms of, you know, you have a look at the average lifespan of a of a PT, you know, going out on their own, you know, those who don't get help and assistance in business, um, and generally just those that can job hop from place to place, you know, can be somewhere from 12 to 18 months thereabouts, you know. So, mate, that's yeah. it's a great credit, you know, and, and definitely, I guess, from a business perspective, something that you obviously promote and market to your people, you know, because that's something that would be a, a big selling point to new clients coming in.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, they want to see the consistency with uh, with their trainers um, as well as, you know, obviously the um, those figures on retention. You know, people are
0: sticking around for a reason. Yeah, that's great. Well, mate, everything's looking... Your business is looking brilliant, you know. Um, not only that, I mean, that's not including your corporate health um, as well that you run, um, you know, I guess that's your separate project, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I love the corporate health. That's, um, that was the next step for, for me personally. So in two thousand eight I started the corporate health company, and that's been ticking on for six years and growing each year. And um, you know that takes time, but you know it's very, um,
0: you know, very rewarding as well. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, mate. Well, let's get into the nuts and bolts. So, tell us a little bit about why why the rationale. You know, you're obviously passionate about the studio side of it. You 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 do it. You believe in it. Why would people do it as opposed to being outdoors or in a gym or whatever?
1: Mate, look. I think there are a couple of answers to that, and um, you know, I think you know. You just got to go through the pros and cons. Um, of, you know, what is a studio? Um, what are the benefits, and I guess what are the um, you know the downturns or the things, the negatives that you're going to associate with the studio? So I like this. Well, I like the studio environment because it's it's more niche to the demographic. You can make it a niche um, product uh, that you can deliver, mm. um, especially with you know the aging population. There needs they want to sorry. There needs to be an attention to health and um, people. You know, are willing to invest money um, into, I guess, more personalised approach these days, rather than you know the outdoor big boot uh, boot camps and fitness facilities and gyms where they just come and go as they please. Yeah, willing to pay a little bit more for that personalised attention. Um, you know, the more personal the uh, the the, uh, the service is, the higher fees you can charge as well, depending on the area that you're in, of course. But you know, if you're a studio is almost like a um. Oh, I guess you're almost like a specialist really, aren't you? versus mm. you know a gym that offers everything yeah so that's uh that's the reason I like the studios too um, you know they're independent made of, of variables. Oh, sorry variables like the weather you know that's a that's an easy one you know even um if it is raining or you know windy or whatever it is, you can still run your clients through a studio mm. so um, yeah I mean look. The industry is going this way as well, right? You know, people are looking at uh, you know coming into studios versus gyms and doing outdoor work. I mean, outdoor training is great, and don't get me wrong, we do offer outdoor training too uh, with our classes. And you know, the groups are fantastic; people love that. You know, the studio does complement that very well, though. So mm. you can capture almost two markets if you've got an indoor and outdoor training facility.
0: Yeah, well that so was there, gonna be that was that was gonna be my first response here in that, you know, you got you've literally got the best of both worlds, haven't you? Because you you're not at the mercy of whatever happens outdoors, but you have got that benefit that you can throw on there as well, you know. So Yeah, I yeah, love mate. it. And
1: look over the over the years that's certainly saved us.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, mate. So um what, what would you say are some of the most important things that someone needs to focus on? So they've got the idea, right, they're probably faced with a few options. I can go and go outdoors, start my boot camp. I can be mobile, people's homes. I can enter myself into a club, maybe a 24-hour type facility or one of the largest super clubs, a good life, a fitness first, or I can, I can go and open my facility, my studio. What are some of the, the three most important things people would need to focus on initially?
1: I think look, and this is in no particular order. Um, look, I'd say location of the studio first of all. You know, you want to be looking at things like traffic flow. Um, you know, do, are you attracting the quality demographic that you're after with your location as well, and your exposure? So, are you exposed to oncoming? Um, sorry, um, passing by traffic, uh, yeah. people walking by. Yeah. Uh, have you got exposure? I guess um, to, or are you close to uh, community? Shops, schools, etc. Mm. Uh, that's really important, you because know, they're going to be your market. They're the people that you're after, so you want to be close to them.
0: Yeah, and I haven't seen your and, facility, uh, mate. Are you um, d- d- does your facility tick the boxes on some of that stuff?
1: Yeah, it does actually. You know, I uh, I landed pretty well on my feet there. It was um, we're in the Longueville Sporting Club, so we're on the corner of um a main road, but also a quiet road. So it's um. I guess a lot of uh, through traffic mm. on that main road, but also mm. close to the community, close to the um, the suburbs, so people can just walk up to our
0: training facility as well. Brilliant. And did you say you're actually inside a, a sporting a sporting club, are you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a,
1: it's a funny sort of thing, and I was second-guessing it when I first started. And I thought to myself, you know what, I don't know if this is going to work. It's not quite as big as I'd like. Um, I'd like a, a warehouse space or... You know, even just a space a bit bigger, but it has worked perfectly in the sense that, you know, we've got a, a private exclusive studio, uh, yeah. which is probably only about 80 square metres, um, with a hall attached, which is about another 100. And then outside, we've got two big bowling greens uh, for all our outdoor work. Excellent. So, <laughs> mate, it's, we're, we're very, very blessed that way. And um, I've been ingrained in that sporting club for the last 10 years to make sure everything runs smoothly too.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So, it's definitely a big bit of advice I give people too when they're when they're talking about location and trying to find a place. And I think this is just essential. I go look look for the opportunity that's sitting there, and I guarantee you, there's sporting clubs, there's places all around the country that have places that have empty space, you know. Um, and for them to collect a rent on that space is just an absolute blessing. We we actually do that at Create PT Wealth. We rent our space off a a rugby league club same sort of deal you know they had an empty space and we proposed we took to them an offer a proposal and they just love us you know because we're throwing all this new money into the club that they wouldn't have otherwise had so but um, yeah, I love I love what you're suggesting there so your facilities 80 square meters you got about 100 square meters of hall um, that you get access to as well if you want yeah um, and then you got the bowling greens outdoors which is you know fantastic
1: yeah, it is great, and and like I said, it has saved us. Um, even when we're running those big classes, we can always just come in and use the hall instead of using the uh, the outdoor area. So yeah, it's um, certainly got its pros there.
0: Cool. All right. So location's obviously important, and 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 having traffic flow. Because I guess we, you know, the advice we always give people is that hey, if you're not if you're not in a place that's prominent or you can't be seen or whatever, then you've got to really make sure that your marketing is top-notch and you're, you're drawing people into that facility, you know. So you're going to have to do that regardless. However, if, you're not, if, there's, you know, if you can pick up on foot traffic, passers-by, all that sort of stuff and have some type of way you can build a relationship and have some type of call to action there, it's even more beneficial to you.
1: Yeah, Many, right, that's exactly right.
0: Would you say that um, you know that you do get foot traffic, that you do get inquiries um, from people just you know interested in finding out what this place is all about?
1: Yeah, right, one hundred percent. I mean, we've got um, you know we've got an airframe that just sits out the front there, and that is most of our advertising. So um, you know, like we don't invest heavily into flyer drops and and uh, you know local use paper ads. We just go bang, stick that A-frame out the front. Mm-hmm. and the foot traffic, the by in the cars, um, we get at least two inquiries each day, um, which is wow. about, what's that, 10 a week? 10, 10 a week, um, yeah. 12 week, so, and we convert 90% of those, so yeah, that's what you're sort of looking at, those figures there, which is, you know, it's a simple low frame, we're very fortunate to be able to have that.
0: Yeah, good, ter- good return on investment too, hey? I bet you that thing didn't cost an arm and a leg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't, mate. That was a, you know, I didn't even put that out until five years into the studio, so look at that, guys. You can start putting that out on day
0: one. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, tip. cool. So that, that's locations obviously important. What about what, what, What's the next one of the most important things you'd like, suggest?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, you've got to get your lease or your contract finalised, and, um, you know, that's the lease with the location that you're after. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that go into a, a lease or a contractual agreement with a, uh, with a facility. And... You know, you just want to have that Mickey Mouse um, when you do come to that point where you find your location. Mm. Um,
0: so, mate, with that lease and, and contract, so obviously this is where we start talking about the the numbers and the figures and the nuts and bolts. Um, what would be some of some of the most common um, lease type arrangements that that you would have? You know, you'd be familiar with what the people might expect to come across.
1: Yeah, I'd say look, you're looking at. Ideally, minimum two years, um, anywhere up to five years. That's what you're looking for at a lease. In mm. um, general, this is because you know it takes you that long to become established in the area, yep. and build a good good client base, and, and possibly expand after that. But if you want a good foothold in the area. It's usually about two to five years.
0: Mm. And we've, and I mean, uh, I've spoken to plenty of people who have, you know, you know, s- said words to the effect of, you know. They've had a three plus three plus three, and they're, they're a bit daunted at the fact that hold on, I've got to commit to this thing now. And um, you know, I think from experience, as you as you suggest, and I'd agree with you 100%. That three years, you, you can you can blink, click the fingers, boom, and there's three years gone. You know, um, so yeah. the, the the longer that you can get your, you know, the longer that you can secure this space for, the better. We've had plenty of instances where we've spoken to people who have got into a lease. And twelve to eighteen months later, that building's been sold, or they've had to get out, or something like that, um, and that can be incredibly disruptive to your to your business and your cash flow.
1: Yeah, correct. And look, I mean, we've we've got a five year lease with a five year option straight tagged onto it. So mm. uh, I'll make sure that happened early on in the day. And we are, uh, you know, we always take that option, obviously, for five years. But we get what that five year option means is you get the first option. So. When the five-year lease is up, you get the option then of taking another five years, and if you pass on that option, then they
0: can give it to someone else. Yep, excellent. So it's pretty much the option, but not the obligation. Correct. Excellent. So, and so your yeah. your advice, Benny, would be. You know, if someone's going in, you you uh, you know you haven't had much experience in this area, you would definitely be looking for that sort of stuff. They're The type of questions you want to be asking. So it's first of all, how long does this lease go for? And also, if it hasn't been discussed, can I get an option on this lease? So, you because what you're doing is securing your future. You know.
1: That's right, exactly. And and the other things you want to consider as well with a lease break is to uh, look at uh, rent-free periods. You know they're fantastic, and, and usually if you're going to sign a longer-term lease, uh, landlords uh, will be up for a rent-free period. And yep. what that does is obviously helps you get established, cover some of your costs early, um, and get yourself up and running, mm-hmm. so that you know further down the track, when there is revenue coming in, then you can start to pay the appropriate rent.
0: Yeah, great, great tip. I love it, and um, it's it's obviously about that thing. It can be often neglected. You know, if you're not asking. You know, you've got to be prepared to ask the question and, and to be knocked back. Um, that's the thing we find in business. If you're not asking the question, you know, there might be a, a space that's been sitting there dormant for three months, six months, a year or whatever, and that landlord is just keen as to get a tenant in there. And, and they, you know, if they can sign off on a five-year lease, they've now, they've got an, a guaranteed income for the next five years with a possible five-year option on top of it. They don't want to see that thing sit dormant anymore. You know, they want to try and do a deal on that. So. You've really, you know, my suggestion I give to people is be savvy about this and see what's happening in the local market. No doubt you've got clients that are into property or, you know, property developers themselves or are in the commercial letting space. You want to pick their brains and, and start asking them questions about all this stuff. Yeah, exactly, Brad. That was my next point. You know, you, you know, in our
1: industry, we're very fortunate to be able to come across all walks of life and. Now, usually, we do have people in our network like that, um, even solicitors,
0: to have a look at the contract for you once it's established, and they may even have
1: more suggestions for you
0: too. Mm. So um, that was I'd written that that word down exactly, lawyer here. So I guess you, yeah, under any circumstance, you wouldn't get you wouldn't suggest someone sign off on something unless they ran it past the lawyer, have some solicitor run their eyes over it, and at least advise on it.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Well, I always get. Excuse me. When I come across any sort of contract, I just get my uh, my solicitor just like you said, cast an eye over it uh, and come back to me with any suggestions. You know, just so you're safe. you save you covered all bases. You've done your due diligence and then you can move forward.
0: mm Yep. And here's the, I guess, the magic question that everyone asks, you know, and that can be the biggest concern or fear. How much should you spend on a place and what's common, you know? Is is there a common, you know, price we're looking for, price per square metre? Or, um, is, you know, do you have any recommendations in that area of how much should you spend on a place?
1: Look, I love that question. I'm going to ask that a lot. And I just say, you know, you spend what your budget can handle. So, you know, um, there are different different uh, schools of thought there, you know there's commercial space versus, uh, you know you don't see much residential space for things like this but um, commercial space usually costs a bit more, uh, and you know dollars per square meter varies from city to city, um, you know in regional areas it's going to cost less again so I always just go by, you know, whatever your budget can handle whatever you see is appropriate or
0: fair, you know you should go with that um, mm. there's no right or wrong answer there De- definitely one of those how long's a piece of string questions, isn't it? Yeah, correct. <clears throat> the other thing that, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, and it looks like you've done successfully at Fitness Revelation, is you've put in your group fitness side of it, too. You're you, you basically your studio, I mean, sorry, your, your boot camp option. Um, and so really, if you're collecting a fee from those people, then passively, you know... A, I always go to people. Find a way to get the get all your expenses paid in that studio, you know. So, find yeah. a way that we can get this thing for free. You know what I mean? So you can either on sell stuff to your existing clients, tack on some ongoing group classes, boot camps, or any of that sort of stuff. So, if you're up for you know $700 a week as a as a as a fee, and you're currently doing mostly one on one PT, find a way we can find get that money in there, you know.
1: Yeah, true. And mate, I didn't mention this before, but what I did before I started the studio, so I came out of uni in 2001, uh, worked um, worked just as an outdoor trainer, but what I did is I started um, teaching classes and when I bought the studio and started the studio, uh, those classes financed the, the start of the studio really. So the money I was earning for class, from classes um, was just paying the rent at the studio and, and keeping me I float, I guess, a yeah. little bit while i found PT clients. That's great. That's excellent.
0: All right, mate. We've got a couple of questions rolling in. So, um, for one of the questions that's rolled in, Ben just says, "What, co- what type of sporting club um, is Ben leasing from?" Question mark, and it says, "Is it a bowls club? And is it direct uh, with them? Do you do deal directly with the bowls club, or is the council involved at all in this?"
1: Yeah, great question. So, uh, it's called, yeah, so it's Longerville Sporting Club, which is actually a bowls club. Um, It's an old bowling club. They don't do um, professional bowling anymore, so it's all social bowls. And the sporting club itself, I I lease the space directly off them, so I've got a sublease with them, but council own the land and the building. So, uh, the sporting club is a non-for-profit organisation, so all the money that I pay them in rent, uh, go straight back into the club and improves the club, um, and the council
0: love that because it's a community, community arrangement. It's beneficial yeah. for the community. That's that's fantastic, and and um, I take it that you you initially had to you know you started to build a relationship with someone in the club, did you? someone that was the manager at the time or something like that, was it?
1: Yeah, right. so what happened was um, I'll tell this really quickly. I was running past with a with an outdoor client, uh, as I said, I was doing outdoor PT and group work and. I was running past and the lady stuck her head out the window. I didn't even know it was a gym. And she said, hey, is your name Ben? I said, yes. And she said, come back and see me on your way back. So I finished with my client, went and saw her, and she asked, she mentioned that, you know, a little whisper got around that I was looking to start a studio. And she was the, she was the gym owner. I didn't even know it was a gym. And I didn't know that anyone else knew it was a gym either. Mm. And she said, Look, I'm looking to get out. Um, I know you're looking to get in. Do you want to come up with a deal and let's have a chat? So uh, it was just very opportune for me um, to jump in on that one, and it costs. I'm happy to share. Just it didn't cost much. cost I think 15 grand to buy her out, and that was you know, a few pieces of dusty old equipment and uh, goodwill. And um, the goodwill was worth nothing in the end because 80% of her clients left uh, in the first first week uh, yep. because they didn't want to do PT or, or any of the groups that I was running. So they left, and then uh, the other 20% left over the next six months. So. It was almost like I was building from scratch.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So it was a, there was an established place in there, a bit of equipment, and all that sort of stuff, and you were at least able to, to get in there and get started?
1: Yeah, that's right. And the bowling yeah. club had gone to, uh, gone to crap as well, so um, they were looking. You know, I sat down with the board of directors and gave them my vision, talked about what I wanted to do. Yep. Um, and, yeah, got on the board of directors there as well. Yeah. So I
0: ingrained myself. Brilliant, mate. That's fantastic. And uh, one more question that's rolled in, and it has been: Could you could you ask for you know other incentives? So if you're going into this negotiation process with a um, a landlord, um, would it be common that you could ask for other incentives, like maybe they could help you know fund part of the fit out, etc.? Uh, that would be, a, I guess, can be a, quite a common thing. Yeah, definitely, hundred
1: percent. You know, I even. Um... I asked the sporting club to put new doors on on the uh, on my facility because there was a Corsetina door, and I said, "Look, that's not secure enough for me. I need a big, big door." Cost about five grand, I think, or six grand, and they were happy to do that just to supply that. You know, if I was going to sign a five-year lease. So, yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm very big at you know making the suggestion to anyone to go look. You you want to just ask the question. You want to paint the perfect scenario, and any any relationship has got to be a bit of win-win in there. Um, and also, in any negotiation process you know it's it 's often that you know you might start at a at a you know figure your your budget might be x you might be prepared to to spend let 's say for example thirty thousand dollars a year to get into your first little facility your first little studio um, you know but maybe you start your negotiations down at twenty grand you know and and go if I, well i 'm prepared to spend thirty if I can pull this thing in for twenty five then i 'm i 'm a little bit ahead of the game you know so Yeah, correct. You just you just never know what can happen. All right, so we've um, we've spoken about location. We've spoken about the leasing, some of the legal parts, and so forth. Are there any other on that leasing and contract? Are there any other unknowns that someone could you know just needs to be mindful of, or are there other sort of application fees or expenses that can pop up in this process? Yeah, I think man, the only
1: application fees that are going to pop up, um, you might have an issue with council with some of the issues. So always just double check with council, um, even if the landlord says, oh, no, no, it's all sweet, don't worry, we've got it covered. Just mm. just double check with council's end because sometimes you know the, the building might not be, um, let's just call it roadworthy. So you just might want to just do a, a building inspection um, mm. and also just check with council to make sure everything's above board. Uh, with the
0: building itself. Yeah, and I mean councils can vary, you know, in Australia especially, depending upon what state you're in, uh, they can vary from place to place. And, and so some councils can be notoriously tough, for want of a better word. Uh, others can be notoriously, uh, you know, a bit easier. So I guess, you, you know, you, this, here's where you want to speak to your, your local people, local business owners, landlords. You can be in a particular complex where you're sharing a commercial premises with other businesses. And my advice would be to knock on the door at each one of those places and just say, hey, what's, this, what's the landlord like? What, how are they to deal with? Has it been easy here? Um, to give you an example of a client of ours who runs a CrossFit facility, um, we've got several you know, functional fitness box owners and CrossFit box owners and so forth who, are, um, who we give advice to and who are on the program and um, one of you know quite often there's a, a component where you'll be exercising in, indoors. It's the typical warehouse type setup, and then there'll be the bit where you're running outside, doing 400 meter runs and all the rest of it. Um, in this one facility that um, we know of, they're unable to run outside that warehouse. So, you know, they're not allowed, even though they're doing classes at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. when there's no cars in the car park or any of that sort of stuff. they're um, it's it's you know it's against their lease. They're, they're in breach of it if they go and run outside, and they, the landlord actually, you know, has their business on that site. Um, they work around the clock; <laughs> they're pretty much there all the time. So they, they thought at the beginning, oh, this shouldn't be a drama because we're probably not going to upset anybody. But sure enough, as soon as it started, they got the knock on the door and the letter to say, look, you know, you're in breach of the terms of our agreement here. So they have to do things like do their 400 metre running inside the warehouse, you know, so they're doing shuttle runs up and back, you know. So there's little, there's little yeah. things like that which, you know, our advice would be you definitely want to explore all that right from the beginning before you get into something and then go, hold on, this is not what I was, you know, not what I was hoping for. Good point. So, um, Benny, you know, we spoke a bit about location, um, you know, in terms of how do you find the right location. Is there anything more that we need to say on that side of it?
1: I think we've covered the location and the lease, uh, you know, the lease part of it. Yeah. I really like, you know, you asked me before what are the three most important things are mm. I like, you know, I'm the sort of person that just likes to be prepared and just ready for anything. So, you know, you can get a curveball on a Tuesday afternoon and it'll just hit you for six. So you just got to, you, you got to be ready just to tackle anything. So um, I just like to have everything organised in the way of leases, um, business plan, systems, um, everything ready before you even go into a premises, just so you know that this will be the right fit for your business model. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I love that, and also cash flow analysis, a forecast on every single bit, making sure that you tick tick every single box, and also putting a bit of a buffer in there for you know for going, okay, what if it doesn't exactly go out the plan? What if more expenses come in? And um, this is where it comes back to your whole feasibility. Going, what is this thing going to cost me? And then now we put that into the business model. All right, that definitely impacts how much the business needs to make or to turn over. So it's it's going to be a direct reflection of that, of course. So, um, but in terms of in terms of the preparation side of it, um, someone's you know they've found a location. They've now started to negotiate on a lease. They've you know, they started to negotiate some terms of that lease. How long this would go for, etc. Started to get their head around some feasibilities. How how much this thing's going to cost? How many? What do we need to be doing inside this gym, this facility, this studio? Um, now they probably want to fit it out with some equipment. What would be your recommendation? And how much does somebody spend, and so forth?
1: Um, well, the first first party question, Brad. I, I recommend, uh, especially for you guys in Brisbane up there, um, Heart Sport. They're great. They're located in Brisbane, I think. Yeah. Um, I get all my stuff from Half Sport, and I'm based in Sydney. So, uh, look, that they offer really good quality gear, uh, but a good price as well. The most competitive price in the market, you know, that I found. Um, you know, they're for you know, your basic fitness equipment uh, and team stuff. Mm. Uh, look, you know, when it comes to structural things, you know, like your, sorry, not your structural things, you. Your, your, Commercial things like your treadmills and your bikes, if you're going to deck uh, yourself out there, um, there are loads of places that you, know, you can just negotiate a good deal with. Um, especially if you're leasing, um, if you're leasing your equipment, um, I'd recommend you do that. Incidentally, lease your equipment, and usually three to four years is the turnover, and then get some new stuff. So, uh, what I had to do, unfortunately, was because no one would lend me any money, um, I had to buy all my equipment outright. So, it's still a you know I can claim it back on depreciation, but at the same time, it's better for your cash flow to have a lease agreement in place at mm. all yeah, um, mate, look, there are so yeah many with that
0: stuff like um, treadmills and all I mean if you are going to deck it out with some electronic type based stuff I, well, mm. you know it's obvious that they can they can have a, a, quite a hefty cost attached to it when you're looking for some more robust type commercial gear um would you mm. would you recommend people make sure that they buy something decent you don't don't just rock down to a mart and buy the buy the cheapest treadmill you can find. Um, you oh, know, get yeah. get yourself something decent.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look, you know, you're running. A, you know, even if it's a small studio, it's still a commercial facility. So, you know, you're looking at getting something that's going to last the distance. We've had our treadmills for ten years now. So I bought them on day one of opening the studio, and they're still there. Mm. So. You know, and and the fellow that comes in to service them every six months, he said, mate, you know, you couldn't even tell they've been here ten years. It's more like three or four years. Yeah. They just uh, get looked after
0: quite well. And just, I mean, while we're on the topic of treadmills, you know, they might not be everyone's cup of tea, but, like, how much might someone expect to pay maybe for a a decent, at least a minimum standard commercial treadmill um, to buy it versus, say, leasing it?
1: Look, leasing it's always got its, um, you know, its benefits of, aiding you in cash flow, but it's gonna cost you a little bit more in the long run. So you're gonna pay about maybe two grand more per machine over the course of the lease. Yep. Um, but when when it comes back to, you know, the basics of it all, you know, you are paying, you know, a certain amount per week and you can budget for that a bit better than paying six or seven grand up front. which yep. is what it's gonna cost you Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, cool. So six or seven grand thereabouts and you can get yourself one and Whereas, alternatively, on the lease payments, it's obviously going to reduce that cost dramatically.
1: Yeah, that's right, mate. Exactly.
0: What about the? Um, you know, we've we've seen a huge, you know, influx of warehouse-based type gyms, uh, CrossFit boxes, functional fitness type facilities. They seem to be operating on a fairly low equipment type of model. You know, get yourself mm-hmm. a few rigs that you can. Do chin ups off, throw some rings, get a few barbells, a couple of plyometric boxes, all that sort of stuff. Um, yep. Is that something you've witnessed the you know the the growth and the expansion of as well, Benny? Yeah, exactly.
1: And, and look, that's where the appeal is as well. You know, for a business point of view, a business owner, you can really keep your your costs down and that's a good way to start, and I always recommend that, you know we had, like I said, we had a couple of treadmills, but we had a couple of treadmills, two bikes to row, and that was it, for that stuff, um, all the rest was floor space, so, uh, look, I would always recommend you start, you know, gently, gently, uh, not inject too much money uh, into your equipment first up, and certainly don't, you know, deck it out with all the load of stuff that you don't need, you know, you need pumps on seats first, mm. uh, and then s- slowly grow your business, and People appreciate that, you know, they understand that, you know, if you're a new business owner, then you don't have a lot of cash at the start. But um, if you're willing to inject money um,
0: as the years go by, members, people around will appreciate that and see the value in that. Mm. I remember a classic story, many of uh, a colleague of mine, this must be going back 10 years ago, who opened up the, the studio, the facility, you know, decked it out with the, it looked beautiful, this thing, and beautifully painted and everything. And um, when I walked in, it was, he was raving about the three big plasma screens they'd thrown up on the wall. And I say plasma screen because these days we call them an LED or an LCD or whatever. Um, but yeah. plasma was the go ten years ago. And to buy one of those was cost you an arm and a leg. You know, you didn't buy it as cheaply as you did these days. And um, so he'd spent ten grand or something throwing screens on the wall. And you know, I was like, okay, beauty, that all looks good. However, you know, but you know, the reason why it got me there was because he was struggling a bit getting bums on seats and. I said, "Well, what are we going to do in terms of marketing and advertising?" And of course, the cash flow had been, you know, it'd spent all the money. Um, and I go, "Well, you know, ten grand on plasmas. I think I'd rather spend ten grand on marketing and put some bums on seats and get this thing happening." You know, so definitely a classic example of of that occurring. And I've seen it happen way too often. You can get caught up on this thing going, "What do we need to make this thing happen? The latest and greatest?" And maybe it doesn't need the latest and greatest. You know.
1: No, definitely not mate you know you can get away with it for uh you know such a fraction of the cost of what you made there,
0: yeah, so mate um you know the other thing also in terms of you know back to the capital side of it, so if you you'd saved up a bit of money, you'd loaned some money, um all that type of stuff what um you know what would you what would be would there be a general guide that you could say to somebody um you know you're probably looking at about X if you want to start a studio.
1: Yeah, uh, look, again, mate, I've just got to go back to the point that, you know, it all depends on your rental agreement. You know, um, I had, you know, I looked at the business plan and you would up with a in rent. Um, so once you can you figure out all your outgoings, then you can start to work out, you know, how long it's going to take to pay that back and then get ahead and start to make profit, et cetera. So, you know, again, this, this sort of goes back to how long is a piece of string? Um, mm-hmm. I think you got to. You need a minimum twenty grand, if I can put a number on it, mm. and sort of work forward to anything you want, really. But I think twenty grand is the number where you've got to start, mm. just to get the basics going, um, and that's you know to cover to cover your rent as well. So when I say cover your rent, I mean you know cover your rent for the first six months, um, mm. plus you know on equipment spending and on equipment outgoings, advertising, marketing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good tip, and I think um, you know t- the, the beauty of it is twenty grand. Um, it's it's not an, an unreal amount of money uh, for someone to get their hands on. Um, look, banks, you know, personal loans, things like that. You know, there's there's a chance you might be to get your hands on that. We've known we've known people be able to get you know the banks are quite happy to sign over credit cards for ten. Five and ten grand these days, without too much of a blink of an eyelid. So, uh, we're probably not suggesting you will go out there and throw everything on the credit card. However, it just goes to show you that where there is a will, there is a way. Um, I've known people who have got family members to um, back them and to invest them, um, and you can work out a little arrangement with your family members and go. Look, I'm happy to pay you back at the at the um, at an interest rate relative to what you get from the bank, or putting your money in the term deposit or something like that. But, you know, it's just back to that thing of going, if you're, if you're prepared, if you really want to do it, you, you can find a way, you know. Definitely. There's always a way. Mm. Um, so with this, you know, we're, 20 grand, we can get the thing started. Obviously, we've got some ongoing costs. What other factors come into it, um, insurances, all that? Because obviously, if you've got yourself a facility, then it's going to be a bit different than just your standard fitness professional insurance, so could you shed some light on some of that type of stuff for us? Yeah,
1: sure, Brad. So you've got a couple of different options there you know, with insurances. And the best thing that I always say is call up Fitness Australia and have a chat to them because they pointed me in the right direction of what I should do with my insurance once uh, I started my studio. Mm. And they'll point you in the direction. Well, they'll tell you what you need and then point you in the direction to a couple of brokers um, who will work it all out for you. But it all goes through Fitness Australia. Hmm. Um, the thing you've got to remember, though, is all your trainers have to be insured anyway, independently. Yep. So they need their own insurance, but then you can purchase umbrella insurance, which insures all those trainers plus yourself, uh, you know, plus products that you sell, um, plus the property uh, if you've got, you know, even if you're just renting the property. So you know, for the um, theft, fire, mm. you know, all these different things. Um, you just, yeah, you insure yourself, and look, it depends, uh, look, what is it, to me, I think it's about two and a half to three grand a year, um yep. insurance, and um, that's pretty good, I think, uh, because all the other trainers are insured as well. It's the workers' comp that you've got to watch out for, so that's 3% of gross turnover. Okay. So that's uh, that's wages, sorry, not gross turnover of your business. Yep. Oh, sorry, gross gross wages, not gross turnover. one three percent of gross wages.
0: Yep. Okay, so you need to, well, you want to make sure that in your feasibility, you're factoring that bit in. So making sure that okay, if you've got your your trainers on as casual based, or you know whether they're as contractors, casual based, full time, part time, whichever model you choose to be seem most appropriate, um, and which fits you know your you know, which fits your business the best. Um you want to factor that in with your um you know, obviously that, that side of it. Back to the insurances, mate, um so about two and a half to three grand for you, that's in your facility, and that'll be relative to I guess the number of people that you've got um working from there. Um, the facility itself, uh, the place that it's at. There's a lot of factors that come into it. Would that be correct? Yeah,
1: yeah, true. You know, even to the point where you know, do you have an alarm system installed? You know, windows that are they locked? You know, all, all these different things ask you a ton of questions. Yep. Um, you just tick the boxes as you go. Do you have a spa? Do you have a pool? Do you have a sauna? Do you have a tanning beds? All these things.
0: Yep. Okay, cool. So, but for you, you know, if we, three grand over the course of um, the year gets you a bit under, you know, what are we, about 60 bucks a week thereabouts, just under? 60 a week. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, again, you've just got to fact that in and go, all right, that's another part of it, which is all back to the planning. Like you said, you know, you, you, third, yeah. that third most important point is all about we've got to be prepared for this thing, you know, because, hey, $60 might not sound like a lot, but, you know, if, you're, if you've got yourself in a situation you've overcommitted, it's another 60 bucks that you might not want to pay. And it's definitely something we'd we'd definitely recommend that you'd have it in place because you wouldn't want to be in a scenario where someone trips, falls, has an injury, falls off your treadmill, does any of that sort of stuff, and the first person they're going to want to have a crack at is you, of course, you know.
1: Yeah, 100%. Mm. All
0: right, cool. So we've spoken a bit about insurances, workers' comp, um, you know, leases on equipment, etc., all this sort of stuff. Um, can be obviously you know you can distribute that in your cash flow over the course of a year Um, insurances these days are you know you have the option to pay them monthly and and do all the rest of it Um, mate anything else that you think that we're you know that we that you think that could be important that someone needs to consider before they're going into a venture like this
1: well, I think we've covered most of it. You know, for a studio start up, um, these are things you have to consider, the things that we've covered today. You know, when we look at, you know, running a studio progressing through the years, then we can talk about different things like hiring staff, uh retaining staff, uh marketing plans and, and members and all that sort of thing and and cross selling and cross promotion. Mm-hmm. It all comes into it, but I think just for starting up the studio that I think we've covered the main
0: points today. The main nuts and bolts. Yeah. So Yeah. Look, um, the question's roll in too. So uh, the question said, look, if you've got eight trainers and you've got around about 80 square metres, um, yep. the question says, how many trainers can you have training clients one at a time whilst feeling like you're maintaining a really good personal experience for your clients?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Look, that's one of those things that um, takes a lot of management and the staff have to work really well together on that. So we have a rule of four... Um, uh, gym floor floor star on the uh, on the studio floor at any given time with their clients, which will equal eight people in the joint yeah um the other four uh, if they're on if they're in and around uh, they have to go in the hall next door or outside so okay. excellent. we've got three different options there um what we've also done Brad is we've just acquired the tennis club space which is hundred meters um just down the road and that's a yep. whole another close to another hundred square meters now
0: so Oh, okay, so you're actually, you're actually expanding your studio area?:
1: We are now, so in 2015 we'll have an extra 100 square metres uh, where we can share the space yeah. that we currently have.
0: Brilliant, that's great. Okay, so I, I get that, so four on the floor, um, and then you know, four traders plus four clients in 80 square metres, and you found that to be, still be not feel like it's too crowded or any of that sort of stuff?
1: That's right, no, no, it's not too crowded. You can work, um, work your own space, you know, we do it quite well. The trainers are you know, fantastic at doing that. Uh, but coming into our facility, we've noticed, uh, you know, that could really make or break uh, a trainer when they come in. If they can figure that out in the first week, mm. then they're doing really, really well. You know, we get them on board for a long time.
0: Figure out how to work around other trainers and, and be creative and, and so forth. Yeah, being able to improvise—it's—it's it's a
1: very—it's um, a learned skill. Um, some people have it naturally, mm. and you know they're—you know—they're the great ones.
0: Yeah, I'd agree, mate. The um, the other thing, you know, for, coming from my experience on that, we've been from in a commercial gym. We were in a, a gym which is actually quite small. The main body of the gym is about two hundred and fifty square meters, and we uh, would have at any one time up to twenty trainers. Training there, training all their clients plus gym members in the gym, and at peak times this it would just be absolutely chaotic. And we were, you know, we'd have um, and some of our PT sessions would be two on one type sessions. So you know, you'd have someone doing a set of lat pull downs whilst you're spotting them and then sit, standing next to you is the, their partner doing a um, you know, a dumbbell side lateral raise and then you, you're swapping your partners over them, but while doing that, someone's on a Swiss ball behind you doing a sit-up and, you know, so, but, you know, it's just back to that thing where you, you get creative enough to, to work in, in, in small spaces when you need to, you know.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, mate, that's where, you know, as little equipment as possible really helps. You know, we've got, you know, the fit balls, we've got boxing gear, we've got um, You know, a cable crossover, uh, TRXs. There's so much stuff that you can do.
0: Have you ever had a scenario where you've had um, clients, you know, indicate they felt like it was either too cramped, or I mean, as you've obviously gotten busier, you know, you you guys have your business is growing, more people are coming in. Have you ever had comments Mm. from members saying they felt like it was, you know, becoming a little bit less personal?
1: Yeah, definitely. We've had two people, um, you know, mention it, and, and we we reacted to that. You know, we changed that straight away. So that's why we have that that system in place now. Mm. We, um, you know, it was getting overcrowded. You know, we had training with two people in there, three people. So we just changed the rules, got it all sorted, and Mm. that works really well. But, you know, you've got to listen to those things, and otherwise you won't evolve and you'll lose more people.
0: Well, I think it also extends back to, like, one of the earlier things you said about your bottle and going, you know, you've set up a studio where you're attracting a certain demographic demographic of people, um, a certain level of disposable income, they expect a certain level of service and standard, um, and if that's mm. what your niche is and that's what you're targeting, then I guess you want to make sure that you know there's a way that you can still deliver that and get, get everyone gets what they want, you know. Absolutely. On the flip side, hey, you know, you you might not have taken that might not have been your message. You know, um, you, you, it might have been all about hey, let's get it, let's get everyone in and rip it and have a bloody awesome time. You know, so, in your hundred metre hall, you could deck it out, you could get it quite full if you had to. You know.
1: Yeah, and that's right, and that's what we do. You know, we've got classes with you know up to 25 people in it, um, and we stick them in that hall, or you know, we've got them on the bowling green. So. Yep. Yeah, it's pumping. We probably have about you know anywhere between sort of 50 and 60 people there between six and seven a.m.
0: Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so,
1: Good yeah, energy, so huh? Like,
0: and what about things like car park? Good things like car parking. You know, uh, you've got a facility where that's quite easy, is it for your people?
1: Funnily enough, Brad, we don't. It's um, we've got a car park out the back, but it can only sort of uh, house up to 10 car spaces, and it has them. Uh, doing tandem parking as well, so parking behind people mm. and parking them in, so it's a bit of a nightmare. Uh, well, well, it was in the past until we developed a system for that too. Okay. Um, but you know they're parking the street and they just walk up.
0: Yep. So despite the fact that it's you know the odds are against you in that department, you're saying that you've mm. been again you've been able to make it work.
1: Yeah, we have, we have, and, and you know back in the day. I would have thought, you know, what is this? What are we doing here? We can't make this work. It's all yeah. against us,
0: but, yeah. you know, you just
1: persevere and you, you just think outside the box a little bit.
0: Yeah. And you yeah, that, that's cool. That's excellent. Look, I'll invite um, anyone to type any more questions coming in. We're going to be getting to the point of starting to wrap this up. Mate, I could, I could definitely speak to you on this topic all day. I know we've both of us have advised many people in this area and we'll, we'll continue to do in the future. Um, if anybody wants to, you know, wants to speak further to to Benny on this topic, then, or you 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 want to set up a studio from from ground zero, uh, Ben's got a specialist service in this area. Um, his studio in a box concept that is is current is being put together. Um, so you can contact our the Create PT Wealth office directly, um, and we can we can definitely make that introduction for you. Um, Benny, mate, any you know any any concluding messages or points to wrap up on on this uh, all important topic?
1: Yeah, Brad, look, I just want to tell everyone out there, that, you know, even if you know you, you, if you're really passionate about you know starting your own studio and uh, and doing it all yourself, you know, there's no need for you not to you know just back yourself, you know, get all your ducks lined up, um, have a good crack at it, and but just align yourself with people around you that can help you so don't try and go 100% by yourself line all those important people up with you that can help you get to the next level and that's something I didn't do initially um, but I wish I did because I would have got there much quicker
0: mm. yeah mate very important point I'd, I'd agree with you 100% I think we've probably got similar stories and you know, I like sharing the story of you know, spending the first five or six years banging my head against a brick wall You know, a little, <laughs> I had no clue really that I was in business or running a business you know just Rock up and train anyone, anywhere, anytime. You know, so yeah, <laughs> yep. So from um, from sleeping in the studio to now to now building a very successful operation, mate. Congratulations on that.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me today as well.
0: My pleasure. So um, yeah, again, if anyone wants to get into contact um, with us, you can do that directly to the head office, and that's um, at Create PT Wealth. All right, Ben. We'll look, mate. We'll, we'll wrap up. Thanks very much. Uh, for being on the on the program today, and yeah, mate, I certainly look forward to, you know, certainly look forward to working with you in the future and, um, you know, inspiring others in this area.
1: Thanks, Brad, and thanks,
0: everyone, for listening in. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Thanks again, and bye-bye.